Well, thank you so much, Fred, for joining me today on the Wave Capital's guest speaker series on relationship building in a team environment. You're my 39th guest. It's so wonderful to see you. First time in 18 years since I met you, Michael Jordan, and Seth Bennett. How are you today? I'm doing great, Garrett. I hope you're doing well. And I hope your dad's doing well. Thank you so much. And he says hello to you as well. Thank you, Fred. I really appreciate it. Uh, when sure. you think about relationship building in a team environment, Fred, what does relationship building mean to you? Well, it, it's about teamwork, um, Garrett. I think, um, you know, you know, as we live our lives, um, we build almost every facet of our life um, around being a part of a team. And, uh, and the more um, you can build trust with the team, the more uh, you can build a better relationship with the teammate, uh, the more you can be successful together. And so to me, relationship building is critical uh, in literally every phase of our lives, whether it's a marital relationship, you know, with your spouse, whether it's a, a sibling relationship with your brother or sister, uh, pr a parental relationship with your mom or dad, or in the work environment with the team that you work with every day, and, and also the people out in the community that you're doing work with. It's all about you know, building that trust, building that um, camaraderie. Uh, and I think the more relationships you build in your life, um, the more opportunities you get. And uh, they happen to knock on your door as you um, realize just how small this world is if you've uh, taken the time and put in the effort to build relationships. Absolutely. And you mentioned the most uh, pivotal word, which is teamwork. I mean, it helps you pivot throughout your life and helps you navigate throughout the world when you're working on teams and when you're working toward a common goal. And, you know, growing up in North Carolina, and you went to North Carolina Central Law School. You went right. undergraduate at Campbell, uh, yep. you got your MBA. And that's where you started your relationship with Michael Jordan, who you've known for four decades. When you think back to your life and where you are now as the president, CEO, vice chairman, alternate governor, and minority owner of the Charlotte Hornets, what stands out to you the most with your relationship with Michael leading the Charlotte Hornets? Well, you know, it goes back, Garrett, a little further than that. Um, you know, I just, uh, we just lost my college coach, Danny Roberts, uh, who I had a lifelong relationship with. Uh, uh, I started going to Campbell University's basketball school as an eight-year-old, uh, and John Wooden and Press Maravich and Coach Roberts, my coach in college, ran that basketball school, and I built a great relationship uh, with Coach Roberts as an eight-year-old and went every summer and kind of nurtured that relationship, and it grew into uh, me ultimately transferring after my freshman year at UNC Greensboro to play college basketball at Campbell. And uh, I was very fortunate that uh, that he awarded me a, a full basketball scholarship and I was able to uh, pursue a degree in economics there and he allowed me to come back as his graduate assistant and, uh, and, and earn my MBA. And along the way, I, I just happened to meet, you know, a young guy named by the name of Michael Jordan, who was... Um, I think going into a senior year of high school and just a you know, very talented high school player. Um, but, you know, we hit it off and became friends. And uh, I look back on those days of, of Campbell University basketball school and then ultimately going there as a, as a player and as a coach and all the relationships I built there with, um, you know, Ralph Sampson and Johnny Dawkins and David Henderson. I mean, I could just go down the list of all these uh great athletes and players that I met and built relationships with. And they all are still my friends to this day, you know, and, uh, you know, Michael's been, you know, my boss for a lot of years and, and have, you know, we've been partners in, uh, in, in, in the Hornets and actually the Bobcats. And then we rebranded to the Hornets. Um, but Michael became the majority owner of our franchise. He allowed um, me to buy a small piece of the team and be his partner. Uh, and then we also have, uh, partnered in, in the race car, NASCAR business with uh, 2311 Racing. You know, he and Denny Hamlin in um, uh, their partnership allowed Curtis Polk, our managing partner here, uh, and Michael's financial guy, Curtis and I to buy a small piece of, of the race team. Uh, so it's been quite a journey um, with Michael. You know, we've been through, you know, a lot of great ups uh, and a lot of work together to 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 build some you know, I'll call them phenomenal brands, particularly Jordan brand. Uh, and, and clearly he's the face of it and he's the impetus of it and the driving factor. But to be a small part of the growth and the foundation of where 
Jordan brand is today is, you know, certainly one of my career highlights. But, you know, throughout all of this, he and I have remained very, very close friends and have been able to have a, a, a respectful working relationship, but also maintain our, our great friendship. Well, that's wonderful. And I know that you think the world of him and he thinks the world of you and your friendship goes back 40 years. And even before your friendship with Michael, you speak of your, you know, college basketball coach, which I'm sure had a strong impact on your life. And obviously growing up with your parents raising you and, you know, the things I've, you know, read online, um, you know, preparing myself for this interview is just how close you are or were to your father. And I know that he has passed, uh, I think it was like four years ago, four or five years yeah. ago. April, 2018, we lost, we lost my dad. And I know that you had a very strong, close connection with him, just like Michael had with his father. You know, talk to me about your youth um, growing up and how much of your parents had an impact on your life. Yeah, you know, Garrett, I, I was one of the lucky ones, one of the blessed ones. And, you know, I even, you know, as I say my daily prayers, I, I you know, I thank God for, you know, me being you know, lucky enough or favored enough to be born uh, of my mom and dad because they really were unique parents. And, um, you know, I'm 100% confident that I wouldn't uh, ha have had the opportunities I've had in my life without their nurturing and guidance. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, a lot of the young people that grew up, uh, that I grew up playing basketball with as an eight-year-old, uh, little league baseball with and as an eight-year-old, you know, all the way through, you know, 12 years old, weren't quite that lucky to have two parents at home. Uh, and particularly in my case, two parents who were well-educated. My mom and dad both earned their under undergraduate and master's degrees. Um, my mom was a school teacher for 30 years. My dad was a military uh, guy, served in the military and then taught for a few years uh, and then went uh, and worked at, in the postal system. But they were my biggest supporting factor and my brother's biggest supporting factor in our lives. You know, never missed a, one of my home games uh, uh, in college. And, you know, that's quite a drive, a two and a half hour drive, both ways back and forth from Greensboro to, to Bowie's Creek. Um, my mom had to be up the next morning and teach school. My dad, you know, took an hour annual leave uh, at night to get back late for my games to go to work on third shift. Um, but they were totally vested and invested in me and my future. And, uh, and I'm sure like your, your parents were, we're lucky, you know, that we had that. You know, I, I spoke at, um, at the funeral of one of my teammates who was an eight-year-old, Wayne Robinson and I did. We were on that same team together at Windsor Community Center. And Wayne is a minister, played in the NBA for a while and then over in Spain, a minister. Uh, and this is probably the sixth eulogy he has, uh, given of uh, teammates that we played on at Windsor Community Center's eight-year-olds. And it was actually the 10th one of our teammates that, that has passed at, at our age, uh, which is unbelievable, 10 out of 14 of us. And as he and I reflected back, you know, we thought about, you know, the unfortunate circumstances that a lot of our teammates happen to be born into, um, certainly not by their choice or, or anybody's choice. It's just the hand they got dealt. and. Um, you know, I, I feel so fortunate and blessed to have been dealt the hand that I've been dealt. And for that, you know, I feel like I owe a debt of gratitude and, and giving back to try and help, you know, some other young people that aren't or weren't quite as fortunate as I am, uh, which is what I enjoy doing the most. And so, you know, I look at Michael and the way he was raised, you know, a great mom, a great dad, you know, great siblings, you know, Larry, uh, you know, Rosalind, uh, James, I mean, just Dolores, you know, great siblings, you know, great parents um, who, you know, pushed him academically and athletically uh, the, the way mine did. However, obviously, he was a lot more talented than me. Uh, but we come from, you know, very, very similar type home, love and nurturing environments. And, and I truly believe uh, that your childhood sort of dictates who you become in life. And uh, certainly Michael has, has, has turned out to be an unbelievable, not just basketball player, but an individual, a human being, a person that's beloved for all the right reasons. Uh, and, you know, I'd say a lot of that is because of the way he was raised and the principles and, and, um, 
and uh, and the culture that his his parents um, really created around their home environment. And you know, I love working with James, who's his brother. He's our CEO here. Larry works with us. He's our vice president of basketball operations, and we really have created a family environment here at the Hornets. And now, uh, and I enjoy that because it it feels a lot like you know the household we we all were raised in. Uh, with a lot of love, a lot of care, a lot of trust, uh, and a lot of hard work together. Well, I love the fact that, you know, you've grown up together and it was such a personal experience of just getting to interact with Michael and his family on a one-to-one -one basis and just growing up and having those good values and morals and ethics. And then you get to a point where you get to you know, be in business together and you get to grow a world-class organization like the Charlotte Hornets and, you know, just reading on the, you know, reading all of the content online about how you've been so instrumental in leading the Hornets with Michael and Curtis Polk and, you know, his brother James and talk to me about just the Hornets organization and just the family and you have been so instrumental you know, bringing the All-Star game to Charlotte. You know, I was reading about how, um, you know, you were really uh, instrumental in helping get the, you know, HB2 repealed so the All-Star game could come back to Charlotte. You've helped get the Democratic and Republican National Conventions to the arena. You know, you've lived a life of, you know, philanthropic, you know, experiences and giving back to today's youth and being a humanitarian just want to learn more about and my audience learn more about Fred Woodfield and you know what are things that people don't know about you know Michael that you would know in working with him and how you both you know work together from a team's aspect you know Garrett as I look back on you know how all of this has evolved in in my life and in my career um, I think back on my days and Michael's days uh, associated with Nike and, um, you know, Phil Knight's influence and, uh, and the way, you know, he and his team built Nike from the ground up. I think about uh, influential forces like Howard White, who uh, is still at Nike as an ambassador and one of the most senior leaders there who brought Michael and brought me to Nike uh, to work. Um, and, and, you know, I think about Larry Miller and I think about all the things that, um, helped us grow Nike to be the huge brand it is and helped us, you know, build a foundation and create an entirely new brand and Jordan brand and have it now grow to, you know, when I was there about a $300 million a year business to what this year um, will be, you know, under Craig Williams's leadership, a $6 billion business and wow. continue to grow. But I think that the crux of it was we, we all learned from Phil that the most important thing you can do in business is surround yourself with the brightest and the best, the smartest, you know, bring people in, in your circle that, that are smarter than you actually, that may know more about, you know, the subject matter than you uh, may know, but, you know, make sure those people are ones that you can trust, make sure those people are ones that, that have the same uh, initiative and willpower and perseverance to, you know, want to win uh, like you do. And then, you know, once you recruit those kind of people on your team, and when I say team, I mean, whether it's your team on the basketball court or your team on the business side. And as you know, Garrett, you know, I'm responsible for the bottom line here ultimately, uh, but it's a complete team effort. And so, you know, once I've surrounded myself as, as the leader on the business side here, and Michael certainly has given me the latitude to do so without micromanaging me. You know, I do what he does with me. I, I let these really talented people do their jobs. And I'd say 95% of the time uh, we're in accord and we're in agreement with uh, the direction our organization should go, you know, where we should invest our, our marketing dollars, how we should, you know, be seen from a social media standpoint you know, how we should get engaged in the community or not in certain initiatives um, and just really grow the business, but it all be based on having these powerful teammates. And, you know, I get a lot of the credit, Garrett, honestly, for the success our organization 
has had on the business side. A lot of that is because of the Tigler actually happened to hold. Um, but but I truly believe that the success we've had as an organization has been about the people that I get the chance to work with every day. And when I look back, or I look at my senior leadership team, and I think about Donna Julian, who's our executive vice president, general manager of, uh, of our arena. She actually started here two years before I did. In 2004, she came in. I came in in July of 06. Think about Seth Bennett, uh, who you mentioned. Uh, he was my first hire here um, because I met him through a lot of my charitable, personal charitable work in Greensboro. He's going into his 17th season here. I think about Jacob Gallagher and Seth is our chief marketing officer. Jacob Gallagher is our chief revenue officer. He and I started the same day we were onboarded together in July of 2006. He was an intern and I was a president and COO. And he's been here with us the entire time and worked his way up. Um, I think about our CFO, Travis Ferguson, who started after he graduated from North Carolina in 2004 here, and he's been with us the entire time. I mean, Ronnie Bryant, who's our chief information officer, started in 2004 and has been here the entire time. So, you know, when you surround yourself with those type people, and, and certainly we've had a couple of our senior executives get recruited away, Pete Gwelly. Uh, who was great. He was with us for 10 years and helped us grow our business, is now the chief commercial officer for the New York Giants. And uh, and Flavor Hampstead, who came to us from the NBA, was with us about five years as the COO of Elevate, you know, a dynamic, new, innovative company that's helping uh, team sports grow across the world. You know, we've just backfilled from within. And, you know, as we've done so, you know, these teammates like a Jacob Gallagher, you know, bring the same values and morals and have, you know, familiarity with our mission statement and what we stand for and know Michael and, and Curtis and, you know, how we built this thing from scratch, really, and, and, and believe in it and, you know, become completely vested in trying to help us continue to move our business in the right direction. And then I think, you know, being able to get out in the community because I have such a talented uh, group of people internally to, to really run and manage the day-to-day. -day. As I said, 90, 95% of the time I agree with the decisions they're making as they run their respective business units. But for me to be fortunate enough to be able to get out in the community and, 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 and serve on the Charlotte Executive Leadership Council and on the executive committee of that, which is you know, 30 CEOs around town from big companies, you know, the big banks, you know, Bank of America, Wells Fargo, Truist, you name it, Duke Energy, Novant Health, Atrium Health. And then, you know, for me to really represent a small company compared to those gigantic companies and have a seat at the executive committee level is something that I take seriously because it helps us drive our business here. Same thing with the Charlotte Regional Business Alliance, which is our version of the Charlotte Chamber of Commerce merged into the Charlotte Regional um, uh, the Charlotte Regional Alliance, I think it was called, uh, a Charlotte Regional Partnership, it was called. Uh, it's a merger of Charlotte Regional Partnership and the, and the Charlotte Chamber to come out with our Charlotte Regional Business Alliance to serve on that executive committee as well, uh, which touches thousands of businesses across our community. And then the Charlotte Sports Foundation to be on the executive committee of that with Danny Morrison to try and recruit really large sporting events to our community to drive economic impact. It's, it's an honor for me to be out there and do this work, but there's no way I could do that and then serve on the board of trustees uh, at Campbell University at my, at my alma mater if I didn't know that everything in this building is, is gonna continue to move forward you know, while I'm out in the community. And then you know, hopefully I'll do my job and bring the community back in uh, to support us at every level. And, uh, and I think having Michael as an owner that allows us to manage our business and, and we get the support from Curtis Polk as our managing partner and, and, and one of the people Michael trusts the most uh, to help him run his businesses um, is something that, 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 that I'm honored to be a part of. And you know, it's so hard to believe we're in our 17th season now um, together. Uh, although, you know, Bob Johnson hired me to run the business side and and Michael bought in as a small minority partner with him and was responsible for the basketball side from day one because our trust and relationship with each other, we started to integrate business and basketball. 
uh, even back in 2006, uh, as a best practice that we all learned from the NBA. You know, it's amazing because, you know, everything you speak of, you know, you talk about the team, you talk about working together, you talk about just everybody knowing their role and everybody doing it exceptionally well. And everybody has, you know, a spot on the team to do the best work that they possibly can do to move everybody in the right direction. And I love that, you know, you've lived a life of servant leadership and giving back to the community, you know, not only giving back to the community as the Charlotte Hornets as it exists today, but even in the city of Charlotte or even where you grew up in North Carolina. And, you know, you are, and I think that this still holds true today, you were the only African-American COO in the NBA. And I know that you are a big proponent of, and I am too, of inclusion and, you know, diversity. And I think that's so important. And I'm so glad, as we saw in the last dance, how with Michael's rise in the NBA and becoming the greatest basketball player of all time, you know, he came up in the most perfect time, the 80s and 90s, and making basketball global sport. And you saw in the docuseries that the NBA, when Michael joined, was in 80 countries. And then now the NBA, as of when the last dance aired back in 2020, is in 215 countries. And that's because of one person, Michael Jordan, but it's also the relationships and friendships, you know, where values were instilled early and work ethic and drive and, you know, what he experienced in high school and not making his varsity team and then coming back the next year and then making his varsity team and then going to the University of North Carolina, hitting the game-winning shot against Georgetown in 1982, national championship against Patrick Ewing and the Hoyas, and then just blossoming in the NBA and becoming a six-time NBA champion. But it's his education in Carolina, the mentorship that he got from legendary Dean Smith and people like Roy Williams, who, you know, spotted Michael, wanted him to, you know, come to North Carolina and being adamant about bringing him to North Carolina. But again, it, friendships that Michael has with you, Fred, and others is, is what makes you who you are today and what makes Michael who he is today, because Michael couldn't do it alone. Just like you have had others around you, including Michael, to help you become the person you are today. And I'm so humbled to be inter interviewing you and I'm so um, you know, happy and it's admirable of, of all the work that you do. And, and Charlotte's been a, a big part of my life too. You know, I went to UNC Charlotte my first year of college. I was freshman class president in the Student Government Association. I was on the, you know, vice uh, chancellor's uh, committee of student affairs. I end up transferring to Chapel Hill after my freshman year, graduated from North Carolina, UNC in 2010 with a journalism and mass communication degree, lived in Charlotte professionally uh, for three years and also served on the board of directors for the Charlotte Chamber of Commerce's South Park chapter before it became the Charlotte Regional Business Alliance. Mm -hmm. And I really enjoyed my time in Charlotte and it was a humbling experience for me to meet you and Michael and Seth at the 2005 Hoopty Celebrity Golf Classic and being enrolled in Achievements Unlimited Basketball Camp that you have organized and run for many years. And that was for a 17 year old, I felt like the luckiest 17 year old in the world because, you know, it was my father, you know, meeting you and and making that connection and then us, you know, going to hoop tea that year and getting to meet all the business professionals. I wanted to know, you know, and interact with everybody, not, not just, you know, Michael and other professional athletes, but business owners as well from Pepsi or Delta airlines. I mean, from all these organizations and I wanted to pick their brain. I wanted to learn, you know, all about their professional roles. And I remember on three by five note cards, I'd be writing down everybody's name and email address and phone number and, their company and what they did for a living. And my dad took notice of that. And he's like, wow, maybe, you know, Garrett is destined for a role in business development and client relations. And, you know, I just had that type of personality. And I talk about it in my bonus episode of my podcast that one of the uh, experiences in high school was, that really shaped me for the rest of my life was meeting you, Seth and Michael and, and being a part of Hoopty. And, 
I would love for you to shed some light on what hoop tea has meant to you and what the Achievements Unlimited basketball camp has meant to you and so many people who have uh, been a part of it. Yeah, yeah, thanks for that, Garrett. And, um, you know, just to take one step back, I know, I know you mentioned that our league has grown from 80 countries to 215. And, and I do think Michael, you know, was and is still an integral part of that global growth. However, I think Michael would give, you know, former commissioner, the late David Stern, you know, a lot of credit for being that visionary um, to, to really invest in, you know, growing our league globally and, and to have a deputy in Adam Silver um, be right alongside him and be able to carry the torch uh, after he retired from, from our league is really part of the reason why I think we're global and, you know, knowing how to market these great players like Michael and, I mean, you name it, uh, LeBron or Steph Curry. I mean, I could go down the list, you know, the old school players, Patrick, Alonzo, Dikembe, Muggsy, all were clients of ours at David Falk's firm uh, with Curtis. Um, but we are a global sport now, and we're proud of that. A fourth of our players in the league um, were born in, in countries other than the United States. And I don't see that changing anytime in the near future. And, uh, you know, long story short, you know, when we think about our sport and we think about the NBA All-Star game that we hosted here uh, in 2019, you know, I think about our game, you know, being seen in those 215 countries live and people being up all, all hours of the night because they love our sport. Uh, and that's something that, that we all are thrilled about. And just on, on you know, Hoop T and Achievements Unlimited, uh, it was an honor to have you be a part of our camp and your dad to really learn more about Hoop T charities and the things we've been able to do over the years. You know, this summer will be our 38th year uh, operating our Achievements Unlimited basketball school. I started it, you know, primarily because of those teammates at Windsor Community Center I talked to you about earlier, six of them were dead because of some drug-related activity before we were 25. And so I started my camp at 25 um, and building an anti-drug message with an agency to come in and present that anti-drug message every day. And then an, an, an academic component uh, that used to be built around vocabulary words and forcing our campers to study. And basketball was just a hook to bring them in. And um, to have Michael Jordan, David Henderson, Johnny Dawkins, and Ralph Sampson commit their time in, you know, the summer of 1985 to help me kick off this basketball school uh, is really what catapulted us from that point to where we are now. We've had over 15,000, you know, underserved kids that have come to our program. They all come, you know, now in the last, you know, number of years at no cost. Um, they all come through agencies. The the, the YMCA and the underserved neighborhoods of both Greensboro and, and Charlotte, uh, the Boys and Girls Clubs in uh, Greensboro and Charlotte, Police Activities League in, in both. Uh, we hosted our first 25 years of our camp in Greensboro, and, and this will be our 13th summer in Charlotte. And, uh, and we've just touched so many young boys and so many young girls' lives. And what we've tried to instill in them is something they may or may not get at home how important it is to stay drug free, how important it is to try and get a great education. And if you can use sports to even get a, a college scholarship and have it pay your tuition the way it did mine, then that gives you a great kickstart to, to whatever life and career uh, you may want to pursue uh, as an adult. And uh, it, nothing warms my heart more than to see a lot of kids that I know came from uh, disadvantaged neighborhoods that were certainly uh, destined for um, you know, economic mobility issues in their lives, you know, really see them later on in life and they come up and say, hey, I was a, I was a camper in your Achievements Unlimited basketball school in the 90s or late 80s. And now they're, you know, military officers, they're doctors, they're lawyers, they're school teachers. They're just good human beings doing good things in their respective communities. That's what has driven me all these years to keep doing, you know, our camp and to have a staff. Again, it's team at teamwork, staff of 40 uh, coaches. You know, most of them played in college and most of them have coached at the high school level to have them commit every summer to come in and spend time with these kids, you know, to have 
you know, not just professional athletes come in and speak to our campus, but to your point, Garrett, you know, very successful business people, whether it's Gene Woods is the CEO of Atrium Health or Marvin Ellison, the CEO of Lowe's or Keith Cockrell, who's the president of Bank of America here, or Jesse Curitan, who's uh, on my hoop tee board and, and, and the, the chief commercial officer for Novant Health, you know, just, you know, dynamic, successful business leaders that look like, you know, most of these kids that are, that are diverse. And so, you know, one of the things that you mentioned before uh, about me being the only COO, African-American COO, I'm thrilled that, uh, number one, that uh, Cynthia Marshall is in our league as a CEO of the Dallas Mavericks. She's one of, one of my favorite people in the world and one of the most dynamic leaders I know. Uh, and she and I are actually still the only two African-American, you know, most senior business leaders in, in our 30 franchises. It's great to see the NFL now has three um, African-American pres team presidents on the business side uh, in Washington and Baltimore and I think in Denver. Uh, and so it's great to see, um, you know, minorities get these opportunities. And, you know, ours, you know, ours here in Charlotte kind of grew organically uh, with Bob Johnson, you know, uh, hiring me uh, after he sold his, his company at BET and uh, has started this expansion team. Uh, and we've got probably the most diverse senior leadership team in all of, of pro sports. But again, it happened organically and authentically. Um, but it's great to see our league, the NBA, so intentional about um, being opposed to any kind of discrimination at all and really promoting diversity and inclusion uh, at all types at every level and fighting for the things that we at our league believe in. I know you mentioned House Bill 2. And again, it was a team effort. I get a lot of the credit for, for leading the efforts, but uh, it was, you know, Andrea Smith from Bank of America, Charles Bowman from Bank of America, Ned Curran uh, from Northwood Capital, um, you know, the former CEO of um, Blue Cross and Blue Shield in North Carolina, um, the, 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 the CEO of uh, Medical Insurance in North Carolina. It was the six of us that for a year and a half spent a lot of time in Raleigh trying to work with not one governor, but two governors. Uh, governor Pat McCrory, who was a great friend, who, uh, who lost his election and wasn't able to uh, get House Bill 2 repealed and then roll right into Governor Roy Cooper, who was also a great friend uh, who we worked closely with and were able to get our House Bill 2 repealed. But none of that happens, I don't believe, without our commissioner, Adam Silver, and the ownership leaders within the NBA deciding that once that un really unfair discriminatory bill hit the books in North Carolina, we had to move our all-star game. We had to make a statement in what we believed in uh, as a league. And then we worked together to try and fix that issue. And I happened to be, you know, in the forefront because the NBA all-star game was the first publicly um, noticed uh, event to be pulled because of House Bill 2. And certainly the ACC and the NCAA followed very quickly and moving their championships and their premier games. Um, but Adam and I, com you know, remain committed with Kathy Barron's, who's the president of our community outreach at the NBA and NBA Cares, you know, to doing everything we could to work with a Rick Welts, who you may know his name, who was president of Golden State Warriors, one of my closest and dearest friends in the world, uh, who happened to be the first uh, LGBT publicly known president of an NBA franchise. It was Rick, and he was such a great advisor, counselor, um, you know, and supporter to help Adam and Kathy and I and the other five individuals work closely and, and help our, our governor and our legislature really understand, you know, how he felt um, with the discriminatory law like that on the books. And I think that, you know, certainly was an impetus for us to make the progress and the movement that we made. And I'm proud of what we were able to do as a team. And again, I get you know probably a lot more credit than I deserve. But um, you know, I think the support of the NBA and Adam and Kathy trusting me to represent our league and our other 29 owners. Of course, you know, Michael knew I was heavily engaged. But that's what I think turned the tide. Uh, in addition to the power and strength of a Bank of America, you know, and and all the things they stand for and uh, them agreeing with us on, you know, a fight against discrimination.
And then it just goes down the line with all these other companies that jumped in to assist us. Well, you could definitely be proud, Fred, and I'm very proud of you. And I'm happy for you that, you know, you and Michael and, and Curtis and Seth and James and everyone at the Charlotte Hornets, you're doing a phenomenal job. And, you know, for me to meet Michael at such a pivotal point in my life and, you know, my basketball idol and, you know, the greatest of all time, he and I think you can appreciate that people like me, millions of people all around the world have been so supportive and also have admired all of the phenomenal work that Michael has done on and off the basketball court. And for people like yourself, who I've gotten to know personally, you know, so grateful and thankful for people like you who have done so much for the communities in North Carolina, especially in the Charlotte community and especially your hometown. And I have this business card of yours. This might look familiar. <laughs> yeah, that does look familiar. That's a, that's a long time ago. This is from uh, 2005. Fred Field, Esquire, Director yep. of Business and Legal Affairs, Jordan, yep. the Division of Nike Incorporated, 1700 Pennsylvania Avenue, right, right down the street from the White House. When you think about right across the street, right across, right the, across street. the street, there you go, right across the street. When you think about that time, and you know, you and Michael were thinking that, hey, the, at that time, the Washington Wizards, even after Michael's playing days with the Wizards, the Washington Wizards is where you both got your start in ownership or learning about ownership of an NBA team. Now that you look back on that time, you know, it was meant to be for you both to be in this position today. I mean, your lives could have been so different if you had stayed with the Wizards. Obviously, you know, management at that time wanted to go into a different direction. But now that you see everything that you've accomplished and achieved, and now you are in this point today, I'm sure you look back at that time and, you know, you probably laugh because you're, everything worked out because at that time you were probably thinking, wow, you know, this is God telling me something. I know it's for a reason. And I'm sure it was, you know, it was, it was probably difficult not knowing what was to be foreseen in the years to come, but I'm sure you look back on that time and you probably are happy the way things turned out because look at all the success and look at all the wonderful things that you have done with the Charlotte Bobcats and now Charlotte Hornets. You know, Garrett, I, I think you hit the nail on the head. You know, it, it was, um, it was divine intervention. It was certainly a God thing. Um, and, you know, oftentimes we question, you know, why things happen and certainly, uh, getting fired was not something that um, that I anticipated happening at any point in my career. Um, but you're right. It was, without a doubt, the absolute best thing that could have ever happened to me. Because you're right. We could still be, uh, Michael and I could still be in the front office on the basketball side of the Washington Wizards and, you know, trying to do everything we could to turn around a franchise that, you know, Michael owned a piece of, but at the time a small piece. Um, but, you know, we learned so much there. And I think he and I both look at, uh, even though we both, you know, parted ways differently from that organization than we would have liked, I think we both looked at it as, man, that was the best learning experience ever that we got really for free. Um, when you think about it, you know, we, you know, Michael invested, you know, a small amount of money in that franchise and, I didn't invest, invest any, I was not a principal, but man, did I learn, you know, how not to run an NBA team uh, and have our basketball division completely segregated from our business operations division and not really integrated and sharing ideas and sharing assets and the business side, being able to utilize the power and the strength of the brand of the players and the basketball side, being able to use the strength of innovation and, and uh, involvement in the community to help continue to grow the brand and the business. Man, we learned so much what not to do in Washington, which we saw, you know, didn't end well for us. And, you know, when we were fortunate enough or Michael was fortunate enough to invest with Bob initially, 
in 2006. And then, you know, when he, when he was able to take over majority interest in 2010, and I was able to buy a small piece of the team, you know, by that point, we'd already learned a lot of best practices from, you know, from the Scott O'Neill's at the NBA and Rick Welts, I mentioned, and, you know, Amy Brooks at the NBA through the team marketing and business operations area at the league and learned so much from David Stern and Adam Silver and other owners, other team presidents that, you know, we felt like we had learned the formula on how to successfully run a basketball organization and franchise, even when uh, we're not performing as, as well as we'd like on the court. And so, you know, it's no secret that, you know, we haven't performed in the last 16 years as well as we'd like to in, in wins and losses. You know, we've only been in the playoffs three times, excuse me, and swept twice of those three and beating game seven by Dwayne Wade in the Miami Heat, you know, a number of years ago. But our business has done phenomenal. You know, we've gone from, you know, when I got here, losing $30 million a year every year up through 20, 2008, 2009, we gradually got that number down to, you know, 15 and then 10 million. And since Michael took over uh, as majority owner and uh, with him vowing that we'd be heavily involved in the community, we've run, you know, from almost day one, uh, a break even to a, a profitable and they're very profitable business. You know, once we layer in, you know, our league share of uh, revenue sharing, uh, which we think is, you know, certainly necessary to have a, a healthy league that the small market teams like ours, um, you know, really partner with the large market teams to make sure every team in our league has a chance to be successful, to break even or make money. And so, again, um, you know, not the way you'd ever want to, you know, leave a job uh, um, by being fired, but I am grateful that, uh, that, that it happened, you know, in hindsight. I'm grateful that coming here, I had the opportunity to not just utilize my basketball background, but also be able to utilize my economics degree, my MBA and my law degree, and the experience I gained in working with David Falk and, and, uh, and Curtis Polk at Falk Associates Management Enterprises, the experience I gained in working in and helping run Nike Pro Basketball for a number of years. And, and then again, the experience I learned you know, what to do and what not to do with the Wizards. And then, you know, the unbelievable experience of helping grow a small brand, uh, put the foundation together and the strategy together that they're still building on to take a small brand like Jordan brand that was at 300 million is now doing 6 billion and will continue to grow into the future. And so, I mean, I, I don't think the script could be written any better for me personally. Um, but I do believe it was, you know, God's destiny for me with my career uh, to be able to allow me to come back home, be able to allow me to stay connected uh, in my hometown and continue my, my work in the community with the kids at Achievements Unlimited Basketball School to continue growing hoop tea charities and, uh, and get a great board um, of great board members that support all the things we're able to do for underserved kids. Uh, I wouldn't have been able to do all of that if I were based in Washington, out on the road scouting every day and looking at the next draft. So um, in hindsight, I'm just so fortunate, feel so blessed and, and honored that I've been given this opportunity because uh, it certainly, you know, was destined to be um, by God and a higher power. Uh, and I just happened to be the lucky recipient of that and have done everything I could to try and, you know, make the best out of it. And, uh, and do the things I can, I can to help others along the way. Definitely, definitely. And, you know, I'm so happy for you and your family that, you know, it's worked out so wonderfully for you and Michael and the entire Hornets organization. And, you know, when you think about Michael winning the 1982 national championship as a North Carolina Tar Heel and then be a six-time NBA champion for the Chicago Bulls, win two Olympic gold medals, so many accolades, you know, the five-time league MVP, six-time NBA Finals MVP, 10-time scoring champion. I mean, the list goes on and on, but just like Michael winning the 82 championship and winning the two gold medals and winning the six NBA championships, this might sound like a rhetorical question, but only because I think that you and I definitely know the answer to this, and you certainly do, but Michael winning an NBA championship as an owner and you winning it as well as a part of the 
C-level executive leadership at the Hornets. Perhaps you can put it into terms how Michael views an NBA championship as an owner opposed to a player. And eventually, God willing, the Hornets do win an NBA championship and Michael's the owner and you are a part of that team. How much or how will Michael, and I don't want to say compare or contrast, but how special will that be? Because it's a different type of championship, right? I mean, yes, teamwork's involved and you know, working as a team and late hours and you know, you know, working really hard and you know, obviously the same type of commitment and devotion and passion and perseverance that he had to with his teammates on the bowls as a tar heel even going back to his days at Laney High School on those Olympic gold medalist teams. What is that going to be meaning for Michael when he wins one as an owner, in your opinion? You know, in my opinion, and, you know, I try not to ever speak on his behalf, but in my opinion, I think you use the right term. It'll be different. You know, I, I don't think he will value it um, any more than, you know, the, the ones that he won as a Chicago Bull. Um, it's just different kind of work. You know, he put in the work to, you know, get stronger, to, you know, fine tune his skills, become a better ball handler, become a better shooter, a better passer throughout his career to help him and his teammates get those six championships. It's just different work here. You know, it's a different grind. It's a different um, focus. Um, you know, you know, you're evaluating talent on the basketball side. You're trying to, you know, fit... Um, figure out who the best possible coach is to lead the team on the floor. And then on the business side, you're trying to, you know, run a best practice franchise and connect with the community and, you know, fill the building up, which should energize our team to play on the floor. It's just a different grind. But, you know, at the end of the day, if and when we, uh, we do win a championship, it'll be quite rewarding for all of us. Uh, it'll be really the first one that I can say, you know, I was intimately involved in the success of that. Uh, however, you know, Michael being who he is, I do have, you know, five NBA World Championship rings and a and a and a championship watch that Michael, you know, bought for his, you know, six or eight best friends and his and his family uh, as as Christmas gifts. Um, so, been able to celebrate that way, but really didn't earn the right to celebrate the way I think he and I both would if we could win. You know, as, uh, with him being the majority owner and me being, you know, a partner of his uh, in the business and helping sort of craft the business and, and the business success with my leadership team and, and the folks that report into them, it would be a different kind of satisfaction and one that we certainly are hoping to uh, be able to fulfill one day. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I pray that your success continues, and I'm sure it will, and so very happy for you, Fred, and to reconnect and look forward to staying in touch. And, you know, I can't wait to see what the future unfolds, you know, for all of us, right. You know, who, you know, work hard every day and, you know, going after our goals and dreams and it's all about teamwork, commitment, devotion, and passion. Michael always talked about the love of the game, the love of basketball. And I have modeled my, I think even since four years old, you know, from four to 17 years old, like so many millions of kids around the world wanted to be like Mike and wanted to play in the NBA. And then you realize when reality sets in, that wasn't your path, but I've modeled my life after Michael Jordan in terms of never giving up and persevering and putting in the time countless hours, even when I played in the YMCA for six summer seasons or played on my high school basketball team and, or in school and getting my degree at Carolina and political journalism certificate at Georgetown University. And you know, I even spent some time living in Wilmington and, and Charlotte and wore number 23 in high school. And and the two and the one degree in the certificate I have happens to be the school he went to and the school he beat in the championship game. <laughs> I feel like there's just a lot of synergies with me and Michael. And and I have the picture above my right shoulder of and that was, the, yep, that was, the, yeah, that was the 2005 Hoop T Celebrity Golf Classic. And that was when I met you, Michael, and you know, 
Chris Paul was there and Larry Fitzgerald and the late Joe Morgan and Carmelo yeah. Anthony and Charles yeah. Oakley and Greg Anthony, all the, all those, all those gentlemen. And I really enjoyed my, my time and I look forward to staying in touch. And, and if, before we depart from our interview, any final words uh, about relationship building and team environment that we haven't covered? Yeah, no, no, Garrett. I just wanted to, to thank you for, uh, for allowing me to join you on your podcast. Congratulations on, you know, all the success. I, I guess you said I'm the 39th uh, interviewee. Uh, I hope I'm not uh, the worst one you've had on. Uh, best. And, uh, one of the best. I, I appreciate it. You know, I, I've enjoyed it. And, you know, it's, it's great to reconnect with friends. Um, this has been a great opportunity for me to kind of reflect back on um, my life, my career, um, what we've been able to do with Achievements Unlimited, what we've been able to do with um, with Hoop Tea Charity, with what we've been able to do and build with the Charlotte Bobcats and the Hornets and uh, and the, the fun that we've had in doing so with, with Michael and Curtis and James and Larry, Seth, I could just, Donna, I could go down the list of all the great team teammates that I have here and the fun we've had, because we actually really all like each other and we enjoy being together. And it's fun doing things together. And when you have that kind of work environment and then, you know, your teammates feel like you do, that they want to run through a wall to help make the organization successful. Um, I think that's what any owner would hope for. And, uh, and certainly Michael's been a phenomenal owner and allowed us the latitude to run and manage his big, biggest investment ever. And thank goodness, you know, it's, it, has, it has worked. And we've uh, fortunately run a successful business that uh, has appreciated, you know, a lot since he, uh, he made the investment in, in 2010. Uh, and we're going to do everything we can not to just run a successful business, but make sure that we are an integral part of this, of this Charlotte community and this region. And we'll do the things that we can do to help those that are less fortunate than us. Um, be able to live their lives in a way that will be better than it was if we weren't involved. Well said, and those are beautiful words, Fred, and thank you so much for being a part of the Wave Capital's guest speaker series on relationship building and a team environment. Really enjoyed our time together, and I look forward to staying in touch, and I'm so humbled and grateful to call you a friend, and absolutely, God bless you always, and We'll talk soon. Thanks. And please don't forget to tell your dad I said hello. I definitely will. I definitely will tell him you said hello. And um, I hope you have a wonderful rest of your week. You take care. Same to you, Garrett. Thank you. Right. You're welcome. Take care. Bye-bye.